amateur, the word comes from the French, from the heart. So it's giving it heart, right? So if, you, if you've got the love of something, call yourself an amateur. And if someone's willing to pay for an image, then you're a professional. Welcome to the Power Hour, the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success. I'm Adrienne Herbert, international speaker, fitness coach, Adidas global ambassador and entrepreneur. Each week, I'll be talking to today's leading coaches, creatives, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, morning routines and rules to live by. The Power Hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential. Whether you want to build a business, write a book, run a marathon, or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration, the Power Hour is going to help you get there faster. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. It is so good to be back. Today's guest has been a professional photographer for over 20 years. He has traveled around the world and has worked with the biggest brands on the planet, such as Adidas, Nike, Formula One, Nissan, Red Bull. His images have appeared in Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, and he has photographed everyone from sports stars to fashion icons and supermodels. Wow. Welcome to the studio, Nathan Gallagher. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> so good to have you here. Honestly, I mean, I'm happy to be back in the studio. I think I definitely got that point across. And also that you've been so generous in giving us an hour of your time. Nathan, you are a busy man. The last time I saw you was at my house and we did a shoot together. You shot the new headshot, which is going to be inside the Power Hour book. Wow. I know. It's a privilege. I mean, I'm up there with all of these, you know, Harper's Bazaar, Vogue and the Power Hour book. So we've worked together quite a few times over the last few years and we always have great discussions. So I was really pleased when you said yes to coming in. I know that we're going to have a lot to talk about. So for anyone listening who doesn't know much about you or what you do, can you tell us how you first got started in your career? Um, Well, my old man was a photographer, um, amateur photographer, but very prolific. And so I learned the ropes from him in his darkroom. And then I was assisting other photographers and working my way into being a photographer myself. I started out professionally in action sports. So I was just shooting snowboarding and skiing in, um, I was living in Colorado in America and photographing for magazines back in Europe. And then from there, traveled around uh, Northern Europe, Scandinavia, and North America quite a lot. Uh, Taking photos of of that is quite an amazing start to a career. Not much money in snowboard photography, but I'll tell you what, the lifestyle was amazing. I enjoyed that. Wow, okay, so how did you go from one to the other? So you learned from your dad, you know, snowboarding. Were you into snowboarding? Could you snowboard yourself? How did you? Yeah, I mean, to to do any sport properly, to cover it, to photograph any sport properly, I believe you need to be really invested in it. Now, I'm not saying that all people who shoot 100 meter sprints have to be able to do a sub 10 sprint, but I think they need to understand what they're shooting. And with snowboarding or BMX skateboarding, it's essential, really. You can tell as a skater when someone shoots a skateboarder who doesn't skate. You can just tell straight away. Um, So the same with snowboarding. And I could snowboard, I can snowboard. And obviously to get to these locations, you need to be able to get from A to B carrying a lot of kit. So yes, I I love snowboarding. Um, I still do it to this day. In fact, I went recently name dropping. Let's start the name drop. I, so I went on a snowboard trip to Japan recently with uh, Lewis Hamilton uh, for 10 days. Um, 
and we stayed in this lodge and went snow. It was amazing. And so, yeah, so it's still part of my life, but not as much professionally as it used to be. Wow. Well, I was going to ask if you had any, you know, mentors or who inspired you to pursue photography. But I guess if that was your dad, were you like, what was school like for you? Did you always know I'm just that's what I want to do? Or was it kind of a hobby or? No, I mean, it was definitely a hobby. And, and I think that's something which anyone who's into photography and looks at it from a professional level might might start questioning when is this a hobby when is it professional like I've been I tell people when you asked me um the other day like how long you've been doing it for 20 years is a good round figure it's a little bit more than that and I take that from the first day that my first image was published um I actually started as a, a hobby and and the and so an amateur is the opposite people think of a professional but amateur the word comes from the French and, and more from the heart so it's giving it heart right so I think that's quite important to realize for people you can be an amateur with passion about something you do and the only then then the only uh, um mechanism for defining professionality is invoicing so if you if you've got the love of something call yourself an amateur and if someone's willing to pay for an image then you're a professional so that's <laughs> that didn't really answer your no, question No I really like that though and I think it's a nice way you know I think I mean, hobbies. Do you remember those? Do you remember when people used to have hobbies? I think the world has kind of, in my world anyway, changed to say to people, if you're good at something or if you enjoy it, monetize it. You know, so if yeah. something, you know, whether it's yoga, whether it's cooking, whether it's baking cakes, if you're good at it, you should sell them. If you're good at, you know, photography, if it's in a hobby you enjoy, you should upload them, sell them. And I think that actually for a lot of people, if they enjoy something and it's a hobby, when it becomes work, when it becomes charging, you know, it changes, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's really interesting you say that because this recent lockdown period, um, in that period, I decided that I was going to build myself a dark room. So going back to when I started out with my dad, um, really messing around in his dark room and probably ruining his experience of it because I was just, <laughs> I was young and stupid. But now, so I've, I built a shed in my back garden and built a dark room and I'm printing and I'm shooting and printing in that dark room for no reason, no reason apart from following my muse. And that's still a hobby. So it, photography is my job and it's also one of my hobbies. It's very much, and I think it's really important to kind of separate the two. You can do tests and you should do tests, which can ultimately end up his work but you do that from well at least I do that from uh, a commercial standpoint so I'm looking at something which somebody might want to buy rather than just going wow that would be nice to that building has nice light on it bounce that onto someone that, for no reason apart from just to make a nice picture and so I, I'm I've decided that I was going to like really take action and focus on that if you pardon the pun but focus on that um quite quite dramatically by building a shed darkroom Nice. So I guess, well, working in the creative industries in, in whichever way it has its highs and lows. So what would you say has been you know, a standout moment? I know we've already name dropped and all the rest of it. And we could probably go on and on and on. But could you give us some highs and some lows of your career? Yeah. Um, so lows are easy because I think it's probably common with everybody. There are like I, I currently work independently so that means I, I'm I'm not with an agency or I don't have an agent and so I do a, a lot of shovel work on jobs and that's to my advantage in some respects but a lot of times it means you're doing a lot of work which is nothing to do with photography um, and you get nothing from it really and it's not why you're in it you're not in it to to create spreadsheets and do risk assessments but the so the, the downsides I think are when you feel like you're doing more of that and also carrying kit Oh, God. 
Photo kit can be r- ridiculously heavy, especially lighting and stuff like that. And I've already mentioned the snowboarding stuff, but even when it's not on mountains, just moving stuff about and everyone's wrapped and you're there with all the kit and you're having to take it back to the studio. And when I say it out loud, it doesn't sound that bad, but it really does get you down when you've given all your energy to the shoot. So that sucks. But um, high points massively outweigh it. I- I've got the best job in the world. Like, it is incredible and I shouldn't say out loud that people pay me for this. It, <laughs> like, I, I did a job um, years ago now, 2009, it would be 11 years ago. And I can still remember it's so good to this day. I went to the Arctic um, on a Russian scientific vessel, vessel up the west coast of Greenland with Jarvis Cocker, Kate Tunstall, uh, Leslie Feist, Martha Wainwright, um, Jonathan Dove, um, is the, um, the opera guy, and... Um, uh, Laurie Anderson, Marcus Brigstock, Shlomo, all these incredible characters all on this boat, like Stephen Zizou kind of life aquatic moment. And I was there just to document the goings on. And there were proper, proper artists on that boat. Um, and my work was then eventually used in the book as one of the artists. And it was a real um, validation for me that, that my images stood up to that critique. And and to this day, I, I still look back at that job as like just insane, absolutely incredible. And you do have moments and it's super important to appreciate them and to relish in them and not feel like you have to say like, oh, it's tough. Like when you're standing in a position when you think I can't be anywhere better than I am at this very moment in time. And that could be sitting playing Lego with your kid or like could be whatever it is. It's just super important. I don't know if it's a British thing, but we kind of used to go, how's it going? Oh, my back's aching a bit. You know, you, you feel like you want to say something negative. So you don't want the other person to feel like you're living the life of Riley. But in truth, I think it's super important to like, you just, be stoked with what you've got going on you know yeah absolutely of course yeah noticing and celebrating those moments for sure and I guess you know for a lot of people working in the creative industries I think longevity is something that is really difficult you don't get to to build a a career like you have without being you know incredibly hard working without being fun you know you're always fun every time I've ever worked with you you know we have a lot of fun you're you're someone who people want to work with and and probably be around again so you know do you think that yeah what do what would you say has helped you to kind of I guess sustain and a career over such a long period of time because things have changed right we're going to probably talk more about that but photography's changed a lot in that time and yet you've still I guess yeah you're still out there top of your game yeah uh, people sometimes come to me and say oh my kids wants to be a photographer and, and what course should they study and what, what should they do what's the best advice you can give and stuff like that and yet you're right getting longevity within the creative industries is inherently difficult um, you do need to um to coin someone else's phrase, adopt, adapt, and improve, right? So you have to adopt what's going on, adapt it to your own vibe, and then improve on it so that you're offering something that somebody else doesn't do. Um, So there's been countless times I've done that, but in terms of actual um, business and, and sustaining business, I believe my best asset is getting in the room. So get in the room with someone. It's difficult during COVID, admittedly. <laughs> get in the Zoom. That's awful. Can we delete that? <laughs> but get, get in the room is a huge bit of advice because you can create the best website. You can have the most amazing book. You can, you know, all these things and you send them out. But ultimately, that's almost a prerequisite. You've got to be able to take the pictures. That's not what people are looking for. Sure, they'll look for a style. Art buyers need a style. That's a different conversation. But... 
when it comes to what I do, and I am the first to admit, I am I am a jack of all trades when it comes to photography, and that variety is part of what I enjoy. Um, and when it when it comes to hiring a photographer like that, um, you're looking for someone that you can work with, right? That can take on board a creative idea, make it their own, but also not be like, no, this is the way it's going. And I, I and I find that that relationship, that that sort of flexibility, is something which has stood me well. I think so. My advice would be, yeah, get in the room, be a nice person. It's better to be nice than it is to be right sometimes. Uh, and and uh, I think that's true. I think it's true. The long game, it's definitely true. Interesting. Okay, better to be nice than to be right. I'm definitely going to think about that a lot. I, no, I really, it's really landed for me. I'm like, hmm, I'm just thinking about, you know, work and dynamics of relationships. I think that's a really important thing to think about. And also, you know, I think being in the room, oh my gosh, that's me all over. Like if I meet people and I love to, yeah, I'm an extrovert, right? I love to talk. I love to be around people. And I always say that to people. I think even if you're introverted, I think it's so much more memorable. And I think now it's quite it's quite easy, right, to do the digital thing, to send a message or an email or to, as you said, upload some work. But I think being, making the effort as well, people really appreciate, I think, when they've met you face to face and that people have maybe made an effort to travel or to give up their time, as I said, with you coming here today. Right. And and also, the <laughs> once you've done one of these shots, so, for example, a lot of the times I get bought in to photograph somebody who is extremely famous, whose time is ridiculously valuable, who wants to be on set, look good and then leave, Right. And being um, being able to deal with that situation in uh, with alacrity um, and enthusiasm means that someone as soon as you can only know that really once you've done it. So that's a huge disadvantage for anyone trying to get into the industry, right? So you have to sort of be able to project that onto someone when you walk into that room. Be friendly, casual, easy to get along with, because that's what you're going to have to do when you're photographing whoever you're photographing right mm. so i think that's that's a really important part of what i do it's being able to do something with speed and enthusiasm and still make it look good that's a prerequisite <laughs> Wicked. So the world of photography, as we just mentioned, has changed so much in the last 10 years. And the way we take photos, share, view, it's all changed. And I mean, you know, smartphones, Instagram definitely changed the game. So how did this impact your work and how did you innovate and adapt? Well, first off, the medium, the change from film to digital um, was massively affected uh, what I did. When I started out, um, you would only shoot on film. I, I shot on slide film, which is... Um, positive film so instead of getting negatives you get positives the slides which you then you can view and you then get them scanned and printed so if you imagine you're trying to work for multiple magazines and you've only got one slide right there's what do you do there so you have to then be very conscious about where that goes you can make copies of course but those copies are never as good as the original and so that whole process was something that you protected and you could use to your advantage as a photographer um now it's changed and so the the um the pluralistic nature of digital means that your image is everywhere and so that's great in some respects but it also means that there is a, there's a dilution going on because when you send your image some to a magazine they naturally assume that there's no exclusivity there and let then they ask is this exclusive and there's a trust issue there but by having your images all over the place at the same time, they're, they're naturally viewed as less valuable. And, and I think it's brilliant that there's, everyone's got a camera and everyone's a photographer. And you're right, it's very easy to take a good photograph these days. The, the actual art of photography is no longer the art of exposure. 
right? There is definitely an art to exposure. Um, you saw today I bought in a film camera and I'm choosing my exposure there and I don't get to see it until I develop it. Um, there's still an art to that when you use your phone. Um, I'm currently in the middle of a project where I've got a couple of remote kits, which are ones right now in uh, Vancouver and the other ones in Malawi. Um, and we are, I'm doing a project where I'm photographing people in their homes remotely and I'm using iPhones for that. I'm actually photographing people with iPhones with the iPhone 11 Pro, which has got some pretty good cameras on it. But you make choices for the exposure there. But the truth, the actual content of the image is ever so much more now king than it ever was, right? So it's, it's, an, it's a really interesting analogy, but people, you always meet people go, you know what I like? I like black and white photography. Like anyone says that they don't, you know, oh, I like color myself. No, everyone <laughs> loves black and white. And the reason for that is it because it, it gets you to the message, the content. You're not distracted by colors. So you can look at a picture which ordinarily might be um, pulling your eye in all different directions and you just focus on the emotion in the image, the face, for example. And so the same way, the same thing sort of um, happens when it comes to um, digital stuff. So you're you're taking a picture, bam, take another picture, bam, take another picture. And you can shoot thousands of pictures, right? So th then if you're doing that, then what makes the difference between someone shooting one picture every five minutes, someone sh shoots 500 pictures every five minutes. If you if you if if it costs no more money, then what's the difference? And the truth is the difference is thinking about what you're trying to make before you make it. Sorry, I'm waffling here, but does that make sense? No, it does, absolutely. I'm fascinated because I love photography. I'm somebody who, you know, I, I don't so much use my big cameras anymore, probably for that reason, because smartphone cameras got better. But I used to, you know, carry around a big camera and a big heavy lens and I used to save up money to buy them. And yeah, I love everything from candidly snapping strangers, which sounds strange, but, you know, like walking around a city and taking candid snaps to, you know, like composing an image and everything from, as you just described, from the light. But also for me, it was more around thinking about like the framing and the composition and I, I love it all but I think one thing I was thinking then when you were talking was yeah I guess when you think back to using film I don't know I definitely feel like there was more of this you know like you said you, you probably only had one chance to get it right you had to you know get everything right take the shot you didn't know what it was going to look like probably until after that to me I just think the pressure but also the kind of preciousness of what you then you know the outcome as opposed to as you said now being like right you've got a thousand frames oh this isn't working change it take another oh move this take another and you can just like you said, come up with hundreds, maybe thousands of images um, and kind of cheat a little bit and, you know, do things like quicker and obviously shutter speed is faster. And yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah it's true. You what I mean by cheat is like I could do like a, a jump or a specific position. It's a split second, but obviously mm -hmm. because it's static, it can look like you're holding that position. Yes. You know I, I see I mean? what you're saying. Yeah. So you can capture. But but then um, what happened back on set in film, and you know, people still shoot film, so it's, it's not like it's completely defunct, um, but the, the trust that goes on between the art director and the photographer. So the art director, okay, this is what we want to do. You shoot Polaroid so everyone gets an idea of it, but ultimately you don't actually see the images until they've been processed. With digital, um, I'll, it's not uncommon for me on set to be shooting, and there'll be three people on set looking at the images, critiquing them, and somebody somewhere else in the world who's looking at it live online and critiquing as well there. And so what that does is it removes some of the trust um, from the photographer. And that's why it's really important that I work with the right people because while I've got no problems with other people's ideas, it, what, what can end up happening with that is you interrupt the flow of the shoot and the relationship between me and the subject. So if somebody goes, oh, stop a second, stop a second, that collar needs to be adjusted. I know, I've seen the collar. 
I know we can deal with that in post. And I, I there's more value in continuing on that, that that thread that I've got going with the model or with the subject than it than it is for someone to jump in and do checks, right? So that sort of thing with film would never happen. You know, I can see what's happening and I shoot film. So the more I'm speaking, the more I think I should go back to film. But no, the, I do. I love digital. Digital has has um, is completely changed, and the platforms as well. Obviously, Instagram and stuff like that, in good and bad ways. Mm, well, I was going to say with things like apps and filters, and the fact that everyone can kind of edit instantly. You know, would you? What would you say it takes now for someone to be a good photographer? Well, um, a bit of education. Um, for people listening i think there's a there's a misunderstanding quite a lot with people say instagram filters and and photoshop is ruining photography there's always been filters there's always been photoshop photoshop is basically a digital version of what we do in the lightroom like there's a famous grace jones cover where she's doing that incredible arabesque right you know the one and and it looks impossible and it is impossible. In actual fact, if you look it up, you'll see the amount of work that went into that image. And it's literally a photograph which has been physically cut up or a slide that's been cut up, pieced back together and then physically brushed back in. So airbrushing comes from physical brushing. It's always been there. So the idea that digital has done, a, done the dirty on photography is, is not fair on digital, really. The, the speed that you can pop a filter on and the fact that you've flip the process around whereas usually you'd put filters you'd deal with filters or the equivalent i.e film stock paper stock um literally the, the the lenses you use the filters you put on the lenses all happens before you shoot or before you process now with digital you shoot raw which is essentially when people say raw again important you understand it's not a file format that you can see it's just the data off the camera you're passing that further down the corridor uh, of of um, of production and saying okay we'll decide what film we're shooting on later on mm. and and it's just switching it around so I don't think that digital is responsible for this situation that we've got ourselves in now um, I, I think um, the situation with social media is ever so much social media's fault and and I think that the overuse of um, of filters and adjustments to body image uh, skin condition and and think it's a very obvious negative uh, to everyone's well-being and there's some great documentaries out there which I don't know can we mention documentaries of course yeah. so there's that new one called uh, The Social Dilemma okay um, it's really worth watching and and it talks about lots of things but one of the things it talks about is this social body dysmorphia and, and the idea that people are trying to attain through plastic surgery what they can attain through filters and wow it's insane and, and, and it's something which needs to be addressed more globally but um, I think Photoshop is something which is great because it's there, people know it's there, and you can say, right, don't use Photoshop, and then we know it's not being used, mm. right? Within, when you're dealing with filters and Instagram and apps and stuff like that, you can say, I've had no Photoshop done on this, but look how amazing. So, you know what I mean? The, the verb of Photoshopping and stuff, yeah. it's not an evil technology. It's just one which needs to be used carefully mm. to enable everybody to understand what re where reality stops yeah what exactly what reality is because i think that's you know to that point it's like when someone's wearing makeup and not wearing makeup and you could photograph someone with makeup on you know they're wearing makeup you know so i think to that point i mean it's a whole rabbit hole but i'm going to look i'm definitely going to take a look at that uh, documentary and i guess you know 
wider than photography, how do you think digital has impacted creativity in general? So, for example, across everything that I, you know, whether it's music, whether it's fashion, whether it's photography, you know, people can now see, I guess, and copy and try to recreate your, your work or somebody else's. Or they can feel, you know, inspired by different art, culture, life from around the world 24-7 because we now have access to so much. So I, I guess like everything, right, there's a, there's a two sides to every coin. But yeah, I guess creativity in general, how do you think it's been impacted? I think it's amazing. I, I think that the, the impact on creativity has been nothing but beneficial. I think copyright laws need to re be rethought because... That I mean, that's a, a, another conversation, really. But just briefly touching on it, copyright is a really important part of photography. When I photograph something in the UK, I automatically own the copyright of that image. When I'm commissioned by somebody, they, as part of my day rate, get a license to use the images for a very specific thing. In fact, the way that my my pricing structure is, is structured is quite a common one of a creative and license structure where if, for example, you were to employ me to take photographs for your Instagram channel, you'd get one day rate. But if you were photographing for a billboard campaign, you'd get quite a different day rate. And so copyright is very important. However, there is a stifling nature of copyright, which stops creativity, I think. And it's it's from an honorable place. But now I feel that you you can end up in a position where you have a whole industry around copyright theft. And it, what it actually does is it stifles the ability to create based on influences. And digital has enabled influence creativity or influenced creativity to accelerate at such a rate. We are bashing through epochs faster than ever because before it would you'd have to wait till something got published before you could see it. Now something's published instantly. And so we are, if you imagine a graph where you could see the the a new project and how many influences it had, you'd see those those influences grow and grow and grow as time went on. Well, that is shot up because you suddenly have at your fingertips not only everything that's being created today, but everything that has been created in the past and, and really easy to search. And I think that's great because ultimately what are we trying to do with creativity? We are trying to enliven our lives. We're trying to enrich our lives, create um, grabbing imagery, be it moving or stills. And I think if any, if digital can help that happen, with with a greater speed and agility, then it's got to be a good thing. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film. If only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for fifteen dollars a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com/slash-switch. Upfront payment of forty-five dollars, equivalent to fifteen dollars per month, unlimited over forty gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at four eighty p. Active Mint customers by five thirty-one twenty-four get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May thirty-first, twenty twenty-four. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. Nathan, you've worked with some mega superstars. We mentioned loads at the start, but you photographed stars, sports stars such as Andy Murray, Cristiano Ronaldo, supermodels like Jordan Dunn and Rosie Huntington-Whiteley. You must have some stories. Yeah, I can't tell you any. Oh, really? <laughs> no. Well, I, yeah, well... You don't have to tell us the names. Am I, any divas? Come on. Yeah, AJ Adodu. <laughs> yes. Absolute diva. She's going to love that. She won't work for more than a quarter of an hour without some sparkling wine. She no, um, going to love that. Yeah, yeah. To, um, stories, I mean, everyone asks about people like that. Like, it's, it's interesting. I don't know much about football, right? I'm not a huge football fan. At least I'm not, not like I'm against football. I just, it's not my bag. And... So when I tell people I've, I've, you know, 
had a kickabout with Ronaldo, they kind of like go, what? You know. In just a pair of pants. Him, not you. It's funny you should say that. So <laughs> this was going to be the story I told you because I knew this question was coming and I might get in trouble for it. But um, basically, so I've done a few campaigns with Cristiano over the years. Uh, I've not done any for a while, actually. Um, but he's great to work with. He's a absolutely unique human being in lots of different ways. And I'm not just saying that. I find, yeah, I, I think everyone does. You find people interesting and you, you imagine what it's like to be them. I think that's natural. And, and so when you meet them and you sort of see how they react to situations and you understand the pressure on those kind of shoots, it's fairly big, you know. Anyway, so one of the underwear campaigns that I did with him, it was um, a real kind of dramatic lighting and like real dark space and a kind of what we call a Caravaggio style light. Um, which is probably doing a disservice to Caravaggio, if I'm honest. But still, it was lovely and really nice. And, and it was part of a, a larger shoot. And we got it done and uh, he was wrapped and off he went. And we had a bit of time left in the studio. And so I put, so I put on some of the pants, not the ones he was wearing, obviously. <laughs> There's, you, know, you know, there were loads of pants around. So I put on a pair of the pants and I stood in the light and my, uh, my DOP took... Um, uh, a photograph of me in the pants so that fan is so i put that on instagram as a kind of joke like well first i sent it off to ronaldo <laughs> i'm holding my breath as to where this is gonna go <laughs> so he, apparently i was told ronaldo, ronaldo found it very funny um but i i sort of put on instagram and then i got a, a phone call from the agency and they were, they were quite sheepish and i, I was like what's up and they're like you know that picture of you in those pants could you maybe take that down. I was like, what is that? Not the pants or the picture? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, uh, they take the picture down because um, the brand's worried that you might be bringing the brand into sort of the wrong vibe. So basically my, oh, body, wow. my body is that milky and hairy. <laughs> it's, it's a disgusting but accurate description. <laughs> <laughs> they thought that if people saw that on my Instagram account, it might make the brand out to be comical as opposed to be luxury. So, <laughs> Oh, wow. That is the ultimate curse. I'm sorry, Nathan, but you're not on brand for us. <laughs> my brand is that bad. Oh, um, that's pretty savage. Actually. I thought that was quite funny. And um, so, of course, I took it down. Um, but the, um, the image still exists. I'll show you. I can't wait to see it. It's... And I also want to see the image of Ronaldo in the pants too. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's difficult. It's like spot the difference. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's, I mean, that's a nice story because it means that it doesn't involve him. But no, he he's great. And he, um, people ask, what's he like to work with? And, and like a lot of honed athletes, like proper professional, not ex-professional athletes, but on the, literally in, in the height of their career, they just want to do their sport, man. Like right. he just wants to play football. That's all he wants. He just wants to play football. He's got his brands. He's got his businesses going on. But like, so I shot him after he lost a game of football and like I had to shoot the whole campaign in, in like an eighth of the time we were allotted. It was ridiculously quick. But then I shot him a few months later for a different campaign and he just won like three nil or something. And he was, he hung out on set afterwards with us when we played football and I was doing headers with him. And dancing, I dance, not like intimately, but dancing on set. He said that I was really, really bad at dancing. Um, but yeah, so like, I think any athlete like that, um, and it's the same with business people. And, and you know, I, I, it's not just like models and, and um, sports people that I shoot. 
anyone, their time is one of the most valuable things they have in those situations. So I find that my popularity with those sort of people um, is directly proportional to my um, <laughs> to my my speed. <laughs> and I guess, you know, you're an absolute pro, but do you ever feel starstruck? Did you, you know, I guess at some point when you first started working with big names and celebs and did you ever think like, oh my gosh, it's them? Um, once, only ever once. And it wasn't the first people that I shot at all. It, um, you never know how that's going to go. And I've never, I think maybe because I'm so focused on what I need to get done and they're, they're just one part of the ingredient, one ingredient to the recipe of what needs to happen. But the one time I got starstruck with was Sir Ranulph Fiennes because I, I read his books and I know who he is from when I was a kid. Like he was a, like a hero, absolute, genuine, one of the last remaining proper explorers, you know. And when I met him, he was late. He was hours late for the shoot because he got arrested in America, which is a long story. But he'd never. It was amazing. It's so like they say, never meet your heroes. But he was so apologetic and gentlemanly about it, and and everything about him was exactly what I wanted as as a small boy. Yeah. And and so when I met him, I had, I really had to keep it together. And it was quite a complicated shoot because we were shooting four explorers and by their nature, they're difficult to get in the room at the same time. So we had to shoot them all individually and comp them all together. And it was, um, so it was, it was a technical shoot. And so I just had to sort of like, you know, put my business hat on. Um, but he was just absolutely amazing. And and it that's the thing I think what I got that I got starstruck about because I hadn't realized how much I wanted that to be so. You know, until right. until it was happening, I was like, I'm so glad he's really that cool a guy. He's just amazing character and everything that his books describe. So that was great. Uh, apart from that, everyone I've worked with, like it's just two prof- like one professional meeting another professional, yeah. and that's not bigging me up. It's just you know that could be the makeup artist, that could be the guy doing the lighting, like holding the lighting stand, whatever it is. Professionals working together, they just you know yeah. that's how it is you've got a job to do yeah. yeah I've stayed in touch with a bunch like you, you end up pals with some pals does people use that word they you can stand up pals with some people um, and you know call them friends now and yeah. that's cool but that's not like the that's not the the aim of these things of mm. course it's just that happens just like it does in normal everyday life Okay, amazing. Nathan, I could talk to you all day, but I do want to talk a little bit about the Power Hour. So before I do that, this is going to be my quick fire questions, which I don't normally do. So let's see how that goes. One top tip and piece of advice for anyone who wants to get started. Spreadsheets. Ooh, okay. Didn't expect that. <laughs> learn spreadsheets. You're always going to need to know. No, I mean, learn spreadsheets, but yeah, practice your craft. Like, but but yeah, learn how to run a business. Mm, it's, business acumen, get organised. You could be the best photographer. In, in fact, some of my favourite photographers in the world are not professional photographers by choice. They don't want to be. They just want to take pictures. Okay. Make your decision if you want to be a businessman. Be a businessman. Nice. Okay. People ask you often about kit. What kit should they get? What kit should they get to get started? To get started, whatever kit you can get your hands on. The important thing is not what's in front of your eyes. It's what's behind them. Right. Mm. That that phrase might sound trite, but it's so true. You can get, like, you give Ansel Adams an iPhone when he was alive, and he will produce a better photograph than I could with the best camera in the world. It's not about what's in front of you. Mm. It's about what's in your head. And and work on that with whatever you've got. Find any camera you can. Don't obsess over cameras. They're not important. When we do our big shoots, I hire all my cameras. Mm. There's no way I'm going to spend 45 grand on a camera. I mean... I've spent a lot of money on camera kit. Yeah. That's that's wrong. But but the point is the cameras that we actually use for big pro jobs, they're so 
recent and up to date. You could never keep up with it. So we hire them in. The kit's not important. Your brain okay. is. This is the quick fire round. Sorry. You know that. sorry, sorry. <laughs> Last one is what is the favorite, your favorite image, photograph that you've ever taken? Or that I've ever taken? Oh, <laughs> I wish you'd warn me of this question. Oh, that's really hard because you, you've got successful images commercially. You've got images that are close to your heart of personal things, which other people wouldn't necessarily see as being mm. a great image. And then you've got technically incredible images, which you know what went on to get that image, right? So mm. it's actually quite an important point when it comes to creating your website and your book. It really is very difficult to do because you you know so much that went on behind the scenes. So I don't know. Um, probably one on that on that trip to the Arctic. Probably something there just because because of where it went and how I felt at the time. Mm. It's weird. That's okay. a, that's a really tough question. Okay. You know. Okay. Well, let's move on to talking a little bit about the Power Hour. I don't know how much you know about my Power Hour. I know you know that I'm an early bird. And essentially, the Power Hour for me is all about taking the first hour of your day, taking that time to do something for yourself, making it whatever it is, whether it's creative, whether it's um, exercise, meditation, reading, whatever you want. So I'd love to know a bit about your Power Hour. And if you have one, what time do you get up in the morning? And what's the first hour of your day like? Lots of coffee. Really? Okay. <laughs> I'm, I I know like you have a lot of variety of people on here and it's fascinating to listen to what people say. I'm not, I'm, I feel like I'm letting the side down a bit because my mornings are so routine, like in terms of like coffee. What time? What time? Seven. Okay. Seven or a little earlier because I've got to get kids to school. Mm-hmm. And so there's that. And then like making them breakfast, just the, the whirlwind that is the morning. I'm not on top of my day until I'm like about 10.30 in the morning. So coffee, <laughs> how many coffees are we talking? Oh, it varies. I think if you keep it single figures, you're doing all right. Wow, Nathan. Sorry, no, that's not quite true. No, I mean... Hey, I'm not judging you. So coffee's the first thing. Yeah, coffee's are you the a first coffee? thing. No, I'm going to go there. Are you a coffee snob? So some people are like, I have to grind the beans and do the thing. Like, you can't even, they, no. you know, it has to be... I just got to get it in me quick. Oh, okay. Yeah, Fine. no, it's an espresso. It's not, I, I appreciate a good coffee. No coffee milk. Yeah, yeah, I have a cappuccino. Okay. Yeah, I'm not a savage. But like, <laughs> it's like, but I'm not going to, um, <laughs> oh, I'm going to sound so bad in this interview. The, um, I just got to get it in me. Get okay. caffeine in me. Caffeinated up. Caffeinated, muesli. Um, I've recently tried to start doing yoga in the morning. My back is, we need to talk about this because my back I'm doing it all wrong. Okay. Self-teaching yoga. We do. (laughs) You need to switch to Pilates. If you've got back pain, then Pilates is going to be... Well, I think the yoga caused the back pain. Yes. uh, Yeah, Pilates. We're going to talk about it offline. All right. Okay, well, offline. So you're going to add Pilates to your morning routine? If I had an extra hour, because like... That's coming up, by the way. Oh, is it? Okay. You jumped to that. But kids kids to school, and I guess, you know, know, probably always different schedule changing. I mean, COVID life, who even has to get dressed and leave the house? Yeah, right. I mean, back in the day when we had shoots on, you know, you could get up at four in the morning to get to location on the day because they wouldn't pay for a travel day the day before. So, (laughs) you know, you end up in situations when when you're on the road that the hours don't mean the same to you as everybody else you work when the light's right and you get it done but then if you've got more recently the covid time where it's a bit more scheduled um then yeah it's it's sort of get up coffees kids to school get on my bike get to the studio 
settle and crack on. Wicked. No, I love that honesty because a lot of people will be relating, nodding, going, yes, that's me, Adrian. Not everybody wants to get up at half five and run 10K. So yeah, coffee in and that's... You I look at done. your Instagram and your early morning runs. I feel so inadequate. No, no. It's not about that. Everyone's got to do their thing, their way, but it works for me. And honestly, Nathan, I feel like, you know, you have seasons, right? So you right now you're in your yoga season. <laughs> Yes, I'm definitely in my yoga season. (laughs) No, it's all good. Okay, so before I move on to asking you my closing question, if people want to get in touch, if people want to see your work, if people want to get inspired by what you do, maybe even reach out, where can they get in touch? So I'm on the Instagram quite a bit. Um, So Nathan Gallagher on Instagram. Uh, My website's nathangallagher.com. My Twitter's at Nathan Gallagher. It's kind of all quite similar. But I mean... Do reach out though. Like, if somebody's like got a passion, they're like, "Can I do this?" Or somebody, you know, quite often people ask me, "Like, someone's trying to buy a photograph of me. How much should I charge?" Yeah, those kind of things. Ask. It can't hurt to ask, right? I believe if a photograph's worth using, it's worth paying for, Mm -hmm. right? So, you know, I'm there supporting photographers who aren't even photographers. You know, you're a photographer if you think you are. We are who we think we are. No, hold on. What's the quote? Yeah. We are who we we are who we pretend to be. We are who we pretend to be. Yeah. So that must hurt, be yes, we must Kurt be careful who we pretend to be. That's right, yeah, mm. yeah. That's right. Yeah. I really like that yeah. as well. So you could pretend to be a photographer just by picking up a camera. You can pretend to be a professional photographer by selling an image. But yeah, just reach out. Sorry, go back to the question. Yeah, look at my Instagram, leave nasty comments. I don't mind. <laughs> um my Instagram, my Instagram game is bad. Man. Well, actually, Nathan, I, yeah, maybe again, we'll talk about this offline as well as Pilates, but I feel like I would appreciate if you upped the game, only because I know, I know the amazing work that you've done, I know all the people you've shot, and sometimes I'm like, he is not selling himself. Instagram these days is like everyone just being like, you know, it's like an online CV or whatever you want to call it, right? It's like a calling card, it's whatever. And so I'm like, drop some of those pics, Nathan. Don't be don't be yeah, modest. Yeah, I guess because of the way that I'm structured, all my work comes from people mm. who, who I know or people who recommend me. So like, uh, this is kind of, I guess, a little thing. Don't rely on Instagram to make your money, man. I mean, well, I mean, we probably should have talked about that because yeah. I think people now, it's like, oh, how do I get more followers? How to get more followers? Because if I have important. more followers, then I'm going to get more work. And for certain things, potentially, but uh, yeah, I think that the... Definitely in the last maybe a year or two, I think, you know, you can have a million followers. It does not matter if, you know, what you're putting out to the world. And and I think, you know, if you have a a, a skill and a talent and all those things, it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. how many Instagram followers you have. I mean, when people read, listen to this and then look at my gram and realize how few followers I've actually got, they'll realize it it, it doesn't correlate. And you could end up with a million followers and just be an influencer who take pictures rather than someone who's respected necessarily as a photographer. Mm. The two things don't necessarily go hand in hand. So, yeah, my Instagram game is bad. I'll I'll be the first to admit that. How many followers? 17? 18? It's it's definitely in the teens. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so my closing question for you, Nathan, which almost jumped ahead to is about having more time because often people say if they had more time oh I'd do that Adrienne or you know I wish I had more time then I'd do that then I'd listen to that then I'd read that book etc so if you did have one extra hour every day there's now 25 hours in every day what would you use that extra hour to do ride ride my bike I love riding my bike it's the best and I don't do it enough and I'm supposed to do 100 miles on Saturday and it's going to kill me Um, but yeah, that that is a place I go. That and playing piano is where I go when I need to forget everything. Because you can't focus on anything apart from 
riding your bike or playing the piano when you're doing those things, right? So, yeah, an hour of my version of meditation, which is hurting my legs on a bike or hurting my brain on the piano. Wicked. Wicked. I've absolutely loved having you here in the studio. So thank you again for giving us your time and for being here. If you enjoyed the episode, then please do get in touch, reach out, share it. Remember to rate, review, all that good stuff and send it on to someone who you think would like to hear from Nathan. Thanks so much for listening. See ya. Have a great week. Thanks, Nathan. Thank you very much for having me.